0: Morning, everybody. All right. Well, we'll get started here. So, Jesus, uh, I pray for uh, your joy this morning. When we were kind of getting ready, um, it was just like a lightness to it, and I just pray that you would continue to pour out your joy on us, uh, give us, um, fill us up for this next week. Thank you for. Hopefully clear skies out there. I haven't looked in the last 10 minutes, but uh, anyway. Jesus, thank you, and be with us this morning. Amen.
1: i myself and probably shut my
2: want to know you lord
1: like i know a friend i want to know you lord The box you in But
3: I'm laying
1: down I want to know you That I can't contain that. I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in our souls that we can't contain that we can't control. We want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. Set a fire down in our souls that we can't that we can't control. We want more of you, God. We want more. 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 more. God, pour it out. We want more.
0: started with a prayer of, like, joy, and uh, there's almost a somberness to what we're, what we're singing right now, God, but I think it's just the weight, at least for me, the weight of, like, knowing how desperately I need you, God, how desperately we need you, how quickly we we veer, We just need you, God. With you is peace. With you is joy. With you is health. Wisdom. Pour it out on us, God. Let's pray for our church, um, people here, God, our family. I just ask for us to be filled with you, Holy Spirit. One part, one last time.
1: So set a fire down in our souls, and we can't contain and we can't control. We want more of you, God. We need more of you, God. Set a fire down in our souls, and we can't contain and we can't control. We want more of you, God.
3: God speaking. that God was kind of saying those lyrics back to us. Um, Like God's saying, I need more of you, Cassie. I need more of you, Ashley. I need more of you, Bob. I need more of you, Chad. I need more of you, Ezra. I need more of you. Like God's singing that back to us. that, That he wants more of us. Areas in those places in our hearts and our minds where we're holding on so tightly and we don't we don't want to surrender those to God. But God's saying, I want more of you so that I can set you free. That those areas that are are bound up, that are tied up, that are um, kind of walled off from me and from other people. God wants to, to bring healing in those places. Um, and I just picked people at random, so just whoever I, my eyes happened to rest on, I mentioned. Um, but that for all of us, God wants you. He wants all of you. And, and he wants you just as you are right now in this moment today. Not all perfect and not all perfect, like completely shined up and clean and sinless because that will never happen. None of us will ever be perfect. The only one was Jesus. Um, but he wants to have an arc to our lives where we're continually drawing closer and closer to him, where, where each and every day he's changing us and he's transforming us and, and, and Jesus is making us new and he is healing us and he's making us whole, but it's not something he can do alone. We have to partner with him for our healing, especially when it's deep kind of deep woundedness and deep areas that that we've been hurt either by other people or maybe by the church or maybe by friends or whatever it might be. Um, There's not one of us that doesn't have scars. There's not one of us that hasn't been wounded. On purpose or not, it happens. But the good news is that Jesus can heal us. And the good news is that Scripture says that God wants to redeem everything, including those desperate, hurting, broken places that we don't want anyone to touch and we don't want anyone to see even God. So, Lord, we just pray into that this morning, Jesus. Lord, I just, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I speak healing over our church, God. Lord, I speak healing over our people. Lord, I speak healing over all of those who are watching or listening online right now, Lord God. Lord, that you came to heal us. You came to set us free you came to break every chain, you came to set the captives free, that you came to redeem us and restore us and renew us and make us whole in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, right now, in this moment, we declare your freedom, Lord. We claim your freedom from captivity, Jesus. We claim your freedom, Lord God. Lord, we we strive, we fight For both our personal healing, for the healing of our families, for the healing of our friends, for the healing in our community, God. Lord, would you heal us? Would you meet us? Holy Spirit, would you meet us right here, right now, in this moment, in this sacred space that you've carved out for us this morning, God. this holy space that we have where we're sharing it with you, Jesus. Lord, would you restore us right now? We need more of you, God. And you want more of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Having a little bit of church before we really got started. So I'm excited to see what God's going to do this morning. Um, I'm going to get this set up real quick. So we've got a, a few different things coming up. Um, maybe. Um, So we have some alpha groups that are starting up September 15th, which is next week, if not this coming, but the following week. Um, This is kicking off. So 6.30 Wednesday nights, my amazing friends, the Andersons, are going to be kind of heading this up. Uh, So if you have any questions, you can ask me or reach out to one of them. Um, So I'm excited for this. It's a great, like, kind of an entry place to if you've never really explored who Jesus is and what scripture is, or you just got a lot of questions, this is a great place to come to um, have answers to some of those. Um, For those of you who are looking to kind of really go deep with God and kind of foster the spiritual disciplines in your life, find a space where you can be quiet before the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to you um, we'll explore things like like fasting and study and prayer, um, you know, kind of how we approach both our internal life, our external life, and our corporate life, and how God wants to permeate all of those things and kind of lead us and guide us and direct us in that. And then our amazing, wonderful youth group, some of whom you saw up here this morning, um, they're going to be kicking off. September 19th, from 5.30 to 7 o'clock, and on that same date, and yeah, I did have my slide, good. On that same date, in the morning, right after church service, um, ladies, you guys are going to gather together. I'm understanding that there might be some some food and some time to kind of get to know each other a little bit better, so September 19th, right after service, that's in two weeks from now. Um, you guys will be gathering together and getting to know each other. So, those are some of our things coming up for fall. I'm pretty stoked about it. I think it's God's got some amazing stuff for us. And just as kind of a little bit of a of a teaser, um, my amazingly wonderful creative friend Kat had this idea for us to do something um, as an outreach. And so, that's my teaser. That's all you're getting this Sunday. But as we get closer, you're going to know more. So just kind of be anticipating that. If I could get everybody to stand up for me, please. Let's go ahead and stand up. Stretch out a little bit. Get, get some blood flowing. I know I, I've sat in the pews many times, so I, I know. Um, if you could please go and just say good morning to a couple people. Say hi. Greet one another. And I'm going to get everything kind of set up on my end here. So two, three minutes and we'll be back. Hey, buddy. Good morning. Okay, if I could have you guys start just wandering back to your seats, please. I love seeing everybody be so friendly, though. That is awesomeness. So the month of September, well, usually, let me say this, once a year... We spend a whole month of hearing people's testimonies, basically listening to people 's journey with Jesus, and we've been doing this for about three years, maybe four years now, where we take a month and we just we hear from people in our congregation about their walk with Christ and, and how Jesus has changed them and how Jesus has intersected with their life. and I realized, as we've been doing this for some years now um, that I've never actually told my story. And so this morning, you guys are going to hear from me a little bit about my faith journey. And I was telling my friend Chad, I was talking to him a little bit. I'm like, I'm I'm never really tentative or are nervous or anything talking about scripture. Like, give me a piece of scripture. Have me open it up. You know, what's God saying here? What is... You know, what are theologians' consensus about this? What does the original Greek or Aramaic say, you know, context and stuff? And and I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, But me, like, telling my story, um, I was a little bit uh, nervous is maybe not the right word. Maybe hesitant or maybe just, I don't know. It felt weird. I'll just say that. It felt weird. And here's something I've wrestled with. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding like I'm bragging. I've always been a pretty good kid. Even at 50 now, I still feel like a kid. Um, I've always been a pretty good kid. I didn't do a lot of the things. Um, and so, like, what testimony? Like, I, you know... I, was, I never was drunk, I never did drugs, I was a virgin when I got married, for Ryan's sake, by choice, because um, I knew it was coming. Um, like, you know, I just, I didn't do a lot of things. I didn't go to these mad parties. Well, I would go to them, but I was always the driver. Like, I would drive my plastered friends home after they were busy kneeling at the porcelain altar. Um, like, I just, you know, um, at, at 18, I went in and started working for the church in an internship program. I did that, and up until I got married, um, you know, I just, what testimony? Um, and then I felt like, because I was telling this to God, I'm like, what do I say? <laughs> um, and I felt like God was saying, Like why why are you disparaging trying to live well? Is what I felt like God was telling me. Why are you why are you like diminishing listening to me? Um so he was kind of correcting me. It's not that I never sinned. I I sin. <laughs> I, I do it today. Hey guys, people who like have a pastor title, they still sin. Just FYI, in case any of them ever pretend they don't. Um, it's not true. Um, like I said, I have struggles. I wrestle with things. Um, but I've always tried to and I can say this throughout most of my life, I've always tried to listen to Jesus and listen to the Holy Spirit inside of me and, like, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And I've tried to follow that to the best of my ability. And I I think I'm starting to get to a place where I don't feel like I have to apologize for that anymore, where I can just own that. And it's taken me a really long time. <laughs> um, so let's, let's jump into this real quick. I had to start with something funny. I suck at math, like badly, like horribly badly. I know. Here's the funny thing. I was an accountant for three years. I did the end of night books for uh, the Red Lion Hotel that used to be on First. I was the end-of-night auditor, making sure everyone else's math matched up. Um, I was a mortgage broker for five years. Um, But I suck at math. But I'm really good at technology. And if I can have a machine or a computer do the actual calculating for me, I'm solid. Like, I I can do that. But math itself, uh, I don't know. Um... So anyway, that was my funny thing. That's, that's, God made me suck at math on purpose. Um, this is something I believe true. That a person who views the world the same way at 50, me, as they did when they were 20, just wasted 30 years of their life. Like if you have not changed from when you were younger, if if, if your walk with Christ has not deepened or changed or got richer, if you haven't gained some kind of wisdom or knowledge or understanding as you've walked throughout your life and you're just the same. Because I I have friends who I graduated with who are still the same. I mean, I had one friend who he was 42. This was a few years back now, not a lot of years, eight years ago. He was 42 still working at a shoe store, um, still partying and hanging out with random people every weekend, had a couple kids by different people. Like, he was the same person as he was when we were, like, 17, 18 years old. Still, like, had a, you know, like, was way into his car and, you know, like, all those things. Like, he just had never changed. He, he had never grown I don't feel like he ever learned. And so it's like, what are you doing with what God gave you? And, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, there's that parable of the talents, right? That we hear about in Scripture how God gives you this gift and he expects you to do something with it. And each one of us have been given this one life. This is it, guys. If we're lucky, we have 80-some years. Some of you may go past that. I'm hoping to hit 70. Because, like, I'm an old fat man with comorbidities, and I'm just I'm hoping I can hit that, you know, 70-something. That's my hope and my, my prayer. Because I'm not willing to give up bacon. And so it's just this, you know, it's, it's, it's with me. Um, but I would rather spend... Only 70 years of my life here on this earth, and 10 of them without bacon. So I'm going with it. Um, but like, I'm hoping that like this one life that I have, that I'm doing something that will leave the world a better place. If I, if if at my funeral, people would say that Dusty loved me, and he cared for me, and that he he lived to serve other people, and did that to the best of his ability, I'm good. Like you can, you know, you can check my box that I, as far as I'm concerned, I lived a life well. That's my hope. That's my prayer, that I served God and I served others. Because that's what Jesus asked us to do. And so that's my hope. So talking a little bit about my faith journey, this is me, and I know the pictures are faded. They're from the 70s. Photo technology wasn't excellent back then. Actually, the black and white one looks pretty solid. So on the left is my, or on the right, is my grandma and grandpa, and that's me and my little sister. Yes, I was very blonde when I was little. And then on the left is my mom and dad and my great-uncle and my great-aunt. My great-uncle, who you see pictured there on the left, uh, my sister sitting on his lap there, he um, was a missionary in Kenya and he spent 60 years over there in Kenya. He founded Aronson Missions, um, which multiple family members uh, went to the mission field there in Kenya. He came back to the United States, lived for three years, and died. And that was his life. Um, we had uh, one of his daughters. Her name was Janet. Um, she was actually killed over there by Houthi rebels. Um, they killed her left her body on the side of the road because they felt like that the way they were sharing Christ was starting to have people rise up against the Houthis at the time. Um, And so to try and suppress that, they killed her. Um, And the funny thing is like more relatives went over. They're like, oh, well, they killed Janet. I guess more of us need to be over there doing this. And so more of them went over. Um, And so that's kind of was my dad's lineage in um, his kind of faith history, um, but he didn't really embrace that, he and my mom either. Um, I was born, or well, I was inseminated, um, six months prior to, like, to their anniversary, and it took me till I was about 20 to figure out that I wasn't early, but that my birthday was only six months different from their anniversary, like, like I said, math, that's not my friend, um, but dad was like, you know, this he was in the Navy, and he was home on leave, met this nice Catholic girl, got her pregnant. You're welcome. I came from that. Um, and so they started living their life. Um, dad struggled pretty significantly with alcohol, and, with, um, and he was the mean drunk, not the, like, I love you sloppy drunk. He was the mean drunk. Um, And mom just kind of went along with stuff. I remember periods of time where we had to leave the house and go live with my aunt because stuff wasn't working out with my mom and dad. And I didn't know why until later. All that mattered was that my aunt and uncle had a pool. And so that was cool. Like, sweet, I'm staying somewhere with a pool. It's almost like being in a hotel. Um, And mom and dad weren't fighting all the time. Um, So this was young Dusty kind of around that time. Um, Grew up country. Yes, Ashley, it was real. I've got photos to prove it. Um, Had lots of horses, did 4-H. My grandparents had a farm way out in Cottonwood Canyon out in West Valley. I spent a lot of my time there because both my parents worked. Um, And so I was staying either with my great-grandma, Geisy or my grandma and grandpa, likely, And uh, I was out on the farm, middle of nowhere, not really any friends around. And so I spent most of my time by myself or with the animals. Um, I was an introvert. I've always been an introvert. And so that was okay. Um, I don't really, my, um, I was telling my wife this the other day when I was kind of trying to put stuff together. My long-term memory sucks. It's super fuzzy. Everything's really fuzzy. Uh, I don't really remember much, and so I don't remember feeling lonely or feeling alone. I mean, I was all by myself most of the time, but so I imagine I was to a certain extent, but I don't remember it. Um, I remember being happy for the most part, I think, as far as I can tell, um, but like I said, I always have to rely on my sister to correct me of like memories of things I think happened, but she remembers and I don't really, so um, anyway, um, around this time, my mom um, had an encounter with Jesus. It was at this, they used to have this thing called Women's Aglow, and it was these women's Christian meetings where the women would get together, and they would pray for each other, and, and they would meet Jesus, and she got saved. My dad's always been a little bit more behind than my mom, and so it took him for a few years. But after a couple of years, he, he met Jesus too. We were going to Catholic Church on holidays, as you do, you know, Easter, Christmas Eve. That was about our church experience. That's kind of all we did. Um, and then when mom and dad got saved, we started going to these meetings at the Catholic Church there was this thing happening called the Renewal Movement. And there were all of these Catholic priests and nuns and people in the parishes that started having this experience with the Holy Spirit. And like God really started showing up and he was like healing. People in the Catholic Church were praying in tongues. Kathy, were you guys kind of, you guys were in that stream too, right? Yeah. Um, There were a few of us, the St. Hilaire's, the Defoe's, Um, The fieldings, I think, were there. Like, there was a group of us that were kind of this spirit-filled Catholic thing. And out of that was birthed Yakima Foursquare Church. Um, There was a pastor by the name of Tom Baker who came down. He actually went to um, study to be a priest. And before he took his vows, um, went into the Foursquare stream. I don't know if everybody knew that, but I was friends with the Bakers, so kind of found that out. And I started attending around then. Junior high, high school is when we started at Yakima Foursquare. I attended a Southern Baptist High School. Um, It's now Riverside Christian. It used to be Westside Baptist School. Um, We met in the basement of the church, and we had um, little cubbies. And we did these things called paces, where you just kind of go at your own pace, and you fill out the forms, and you do the tests, and you turn them in, and there's a barrier between you and anybody next to you. It's like doing homeschool with other people. (laughs) Like, you know, computers didn't exist then, so we couldn't, like, do a whole remote learning thing. It was, this was as close as we could get as, like, like, the only time we actually, like, hung out with each other was at lunch and recess. Other than that, we were in our cubby. I don't know what the philosophy behind that was, but anyway... So that was kind of like my first introduction to like formal religious education was at this Baptist school that I attended. And um, of course, it was with the Baptist kind of um, philosophy and, and what they believed. Um, but that was kind of why I first started formalizing. If you look at the picture on the right, that's our entire senior and junior class for the whole school. You could fit all of us in one good youth group van. The whole, like, kind of upperclassmen. Um, I had a graduating class of eight people. um, But they were all good friends and are are still friends today. This was where we started attending the Foursquare Church. It was over on, like, 36th and Titan, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, And we met in this building, which, ironically, is where the Westside Baptist Church was, And then Foursquare took it over when they went and built a new building. And so we were meeting there uh, as a Foursquare church. Um, We first, first started in the Masonic temple, just kind of down here. Uh, And then moved into this facility, was our next facility. And I spent most of my high school years in this church with these people. I think I probably spent more time in the church and with my youth pastor than I did my own dad if I'm being honest, that I can remember. Um, At 13, 14, somewhere in there, 13, 14, we attended this youth conference. And I just looked it up today. This dude in the middle, um, Herb Marks here, he's the guy who, when I was 13 years old, was leading this youth outreach that we all went to. I had a mind-blowing encounter with God at this youth conference called Sought Out that they were holding. They kept the name all these 30 years later. Um, The Holy Spirit met me. I was, nobody laid hands on me. Nobody was praying for me. There was no, like, formal thing. We were in worship, and I was just worshiping God along with my youth group friends and my youth pastor, Peter. And suddenly god gave me this like this picture that i can still draw up and have clearly today and it was these hands and they looked old but strong and cuz they 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 were like kind of veiny and kind of knobby but but at the same time they looked youthful and strong and they were holding this book with one hand and there was this pen in the other And somebody was writing something in this book. And I felt God speak to me. Like it was as clear as God's ever spoken to me in my life. I was, Like I said, I was 13, 14 years old. And I felt God say that he was recording this moment on all of our hearts and minds so that when times were hard or when we were questioning our faith, we could come back to this moment and relive that and remember it and have an anchor point. For faith, like for my faith, that, that Jesus met me here, that, that my experience of God is real. And no matter how insane the world gets, or things that I go through, or struggles that I might have, um, that God was cementing my, my faith in Him in that moment at 14. And I still remember that very clearly. And then at the conference, there was this older lady, um, older, I was 14, she was probably not that old, but to me, she was old. Uh, She's probably my age. Um, And she was like, I feel like someone saw this picture, and she described the picture that I saw. Like she had, God gave her the same picture I had. And she said, and I feel like somebody out here has an explanation for what this picture that God showed me means. And there's like literally, and this is not a joke, there's like a thousand kids here. It was a big youth conference thing. Um, and so little introvert, trust me, insanely shy, dusty, raised his hand. And I because I just knew it was God. I was like, it, I, I, I saw that picture. It was me. And they like had me come up on stage in front of my youth group and all my friends, and all these other cute girls that were out there, and like, I'm on stage, and they're like, okay, I want you to tell us what you saw. And so I explained it, and she said, yep, that's exactly, she said, that's exactly what I saw too. And so, and I said, and this is what I think it means, and she was like, I, you know, I just want to confirm that, let's, let's pray into that, and, and ask God to, to secure this in our hearts. And so they did. And that was... I got saved at a, at a seven-day club when I was probably about eight years old in somebody's backyard because they gave me ice cream and candy, um, which, you know, give a fat kid ice cream and candy, you'll do whatever you want, um, and so I accepted Jesus, and, but that was just that. This was so real, so tangible that, you know, all these years later, I can still vividly recall the whole experience, which like I said before, most of my young life is very fuzzy. Um, and that has carried me throughout my whole life. Even in my hardest times, even when I question God, even when I doubt, and I still, I still struggle. I still have hard times. Um, you know, I, I, especially in the last couple of years, had moments where I'm like, God, are you even really real? Because this is a big mess, hot mess. Like, this world is a big hot mess. I mean, I, I'm just being really transparent. I, I did. I, I would question God. Like, are you even there? What's that book? Hey, God, it's me, something. I don't know. Anyway, um, But I have this anchor point of where I really met Jesus that I can't get away from and that God is real. This is my youth pastor, Peter. No, no, (laughs) that's funny. I still say my youth pastor. (laughs) He's passed away now. Um, You can see the eye patch in the second picture. He died of ocular cancer. Um, It went from his eye into his brain because they're like really close. and he took, we would go backpacking, we would go on beach hikes, he would do all these crazy things. He um, got kicked out of Oral Roberts University because he dressed wrong. Um, and so then he like, hitchhiked across the country. He became a Buddhist for a little while, figured out that wasn't for him, came back to Jesus. And then our pastor at the time, Tom Baker, brought him in and said, why don't you be our youth leader? I want to say Peter was like in his early 20s. Something like that he was pretty young, um, and he was i don 't know he was a crazy man, um, but he he loved me so deep, and he showed me jesus he didn 't just tell me about jesus he didn 't just read scripture to me, he embodied god 's love to me and took super awkward socially inept, dusty, and hung out with me and loved me and cared for me. And Peter's one of the main reasons I'm even standing here today. Because he was Jesus in my life when I really needed him. Um, And I miss him dearly. He was a good, good man. Um, He, uh, left the church after a while, um, long after I was out of school and stuff, but he um, went and founded a Christian environmentalist organization called Restoring Eden. Um, uh, He and Tony Campolo founded it together and um, spent years um, basically saying, hey, God gave us this amazing gift that is the world we should probably do something other than destroy this gift God gave us. That was his basic premise. Like, God gave us this beautiful creation and said it was good, and how are you treating what God said was good? Like, that was his basic premise. Uh, Stuck with me. Um, And then, this was my next youth pastor. After Peter went, Tom went down to Pastor uh, Portland Foursquare Church. Peter went with him. And got up, God brought a a new pastor to us. His name was Greg Bretz. Um, He was a missionary to Norway. He and his family came back here. Um, They started off down in um, Angeles Temple, down in California. And then he was a missionary and then came. And then he brought Reagan. Reagan was the complete opposite of Peter. Reagan was ex-military. He was a canine cop in Germany for the military base. Spent eight years in the military. I'm graduated from Texas um, University. He was an oil man in Texas for a while. Married his high school sweetheart. They're still married today. They've been married like 60 years. Amazing. Um, And her name's Elaine. And Reagan was an amazing guy. Like he mentored me in like, like church. Like, how do you, how does church function? How does it work? He did an internship program. He somehow talked me at 18 years old into right out of high school going into this church internship program. And I did that for five years. Um, I think, yeah. And so here's some people. This is a picture of some of the folks that were in the internship program. And we did this over multiple years. We did this internship program for like five, six years. And there were groups of people who would go through My friend Jilly was in one of them. My friend Shree, who they're out of town this weekend, was in one of them. Um, There's some of us still floating around who went through this internship program at Foursquare. We were all just 20-somethings kind of looking for a way to approach life. And we thought, well, this is a way to serve God and kind of know more about Jesus and serve other people. And... Reagan, after my first year, I remember I was 19 years old. Reagan didn't like to get on airplanes. But part of the, the deal for doing this, it was called AIM, was the program. The AIM program was that you go and do a mission trip. So at 19 years old, he put me in charge of eight other people, put me on a plane to go over to England, and we were supposed to go to this mission trip. And I was in charge at 19. Um he's a crazy person. I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was like, he had that military mindset, right? Like, I'm in charge. I'm telling you to go. So you go ask questions after you're done, right? Like, I mean, it was that kind of thing. Um, Two days before we were supposed to leave, I had this giant cyst develop in my eye that swelled my eye shut. Reagan who's bigger than me, by the way, he's about this tall and, and big. He's like, well, well I, I should say saying Reagan, I suppose you're fixing to go get that lanced and get on that plane, aren't you? That's right, Jill? Yes, that was Reagan. So I was like, I guess so. <laughs> so it's like they sent me to the medical center. I had no money. Church paid for my eye thing. At last had this like metal eye patch thing over my eye, and got on a plane two days later. Um, the day before we 're supposed to go on the plane my um, i had mentioned I spent a lot of time with my great grandma Geisy growing up. she passed away the day before I was supposed to go on the plane. Um, I have to say, my friend Reagan, and he is my friend, and he is my mentor, and I love him as much as I do my next breath, uh, treated me really badly because he had a mission to do. So I got my eye lanced. My great-grandma, who I was super close to, died. And he quoted this scripture at me where Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. And... Um, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going. Um, that didn't quite do it for me, so I talked to my grandma, who was my great-grandma's daughter, and she convinced me that my grandma would want me to go. She convinced me that my grandma Geisy would want me to have this opportunity to go over to England and do things she never had an opportunity to do, and my grandma promised me she would, she would you know, pray for me at the funeral and take care of her, and, and so my grandma likely promised me that she would take care of her mom. Um, I still love Reagan. I loved him after that. I continued working for him for years, but I was hurt in, like, a core, deep way that, like, you know, like, here I am going to do this mission trip, um, and I'm just a mess, Like, I've got this giant cyst that got taken out of my eye. My grandma's dead. And I'm in a foreign country for the first time in my life. And I'm 19 years old. And I'm in charge of all these other people. And I'm, like, talking to God. I'm like, Jesus, what do I do? Like, I'm literally like, God, what what do I do? I'm here, but that's all I have. Like, my physical presence is all I have right now, because there's nothing in me. I'm in pain physically, I'm in pain emotionally and mentally. Um, How am I supposed to tell other people about how good you are when I'm like this? Um, And Jesus met me, God met me, and I felt like the Holy Spirit basically said, you just... Be yourself, and let me handle the rest. Like, just give whatever you have to give, and I'll handle the rest. Um, and the mission trip was a success. Um, it was insane, but at 19 years old, we were in Aldershaw, England. Um, I had just gotten my pastoral license like six months before at 19 um, through Foursquare. Um, and I was standing on stage in Aldershot at this church called the King Center in front of about 4,000 people telling them about God and the Holy Spirit and, and what, how God wants to meet them. And I can't tell you what I said. I have no clue. <laughs> like, Literally my brain, I was not personally involved in that whole teaching. Um, and a bunch of people came forward and got... Like met Jesus and the Holy Spirit moved and all these things happened, and I can't even tell you what happened. Like I don't, I can't even really remember, and I don't think it's just my long-term memory issue. Like I think God just took over because I was just there. Um, It's kind of crazy. Um, funny story. The the young man here. Those of you who know Nigel Carter, that's Nigel Carter. Um, He is from England. I met him on that trip. He came back and decided to be part of the AIM program. Um, He slept with my sister after they got married. Uh, They got married. He married my sister. So he's been my brother-in-law now longer than my wife and I have been married. Um, But God brought him back with me too. Like that was part of the blessing for my family, that God had by me just being obedient. Um, this is just another picture of the group. You can see the old school VHS video camera in the back as we would record on sessions on VHS as we were being taught. You can see how enthused we all are into the <laughs> into whatever they were teaching. I don't even remember right now. We would go out and do mime and drama in churches. I know. I know, Lord. Like we would play music, usually something by Carmen. For those of you who know who Carmen was, usually something by Carmen, and we would do act these things out, and then I would teach and do prophetic ministry, and we traveled all over the United States doing this. We went to 10 different states in 2 months and just went from church to church to church and we went from Oregon to California, to New Mexico, or Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and then worked our way back up. Just every couple days, we'd be at a new church. Every Wednesday and Sunday, we were at a church doing ministry. And we did that for two months. Um, And did this kind of thing. Seems kind of funny now, but God really showed up, really moved. God was really active. Um, Yeah, that was cool. Uh, This is young me again. We had this children's outreach in the basement of, of Foursquare Church called Caraway Street. It was a Christian version of Sesame Street. And we did puppets, and we had characters. And so I was the rabbit, and I was a, um, uh, a puppet by the name of Cosgrove. And I played a guy, a superhero guy, in orange and yellow tights called Captain Good Guy. And um, I was uh, an old sa- crotchety sailor named Sailor Jack, and we would do these things. And give you guys a little bit of a, like a funny inside baseball thing. We lived at the church, all of us, like most of us interns, and d- at people's houses and stuff. One night, it's probably about eleven o'clock, maybe midnight. We all decided to go downstairs and film Nightmare on Carroway Street. (laughs) And and we got in costumes, and I got, like, all these knives. (laughs) And if you've ever seen, anyway, I had to tell the story, because where else am I ever going to get to tell that story? Um, But so we filmed Nightmare on Carroway Street, and uh, hopefully the pastors never knew about it. I have no idea where that tape is to this day, Somebody's probably going to come up with that VHS at some point. Moving on. This strange young fellow met this lovely young lady. It was the early 90s. Um, we used to do Young Life out of Yakima four Square Church. Um, and we'd have meetings there and stuff. And so a lot of people who were serving in Young Life came there. And I met my lovely wife, Christy. We weren't dating at that time. We were friends for like four years. Five years before we started dating and eventually got married. One of the best choices of my entire existence was marrying her. I dated some other girls who, in retrospect, would have made me really crazy had I actually married them. Like, if I had had to live with them, like in hindsight, you know, me now being older and wiser and knowing things, um, God knew I needed Chris so that I could survive my life. Because if I had married a couple of these other girls, literally I think my brain would have like snapped and I'd probably be in some facility on the top floor of Memorial because they would have made me crazy. And Chris does the opposite. She helps like even me and balance me. and Yeah, so God knew what he was doing. And then we had this little guy, Cormac. And this is when we started coming to the Vineyard Church. Um, We started coming here in about 2001. Cormac was born in 2002. Uh, He was not on purpose. He was not on purpose. Um, This was God knowing exactly what we needed. I remember being in our office. Chris came in, and she, she said to me, Hey, Dusty, I just took a test, and I'm pregnant. Here's the beautiful, I was so emotionally overcome. It was such a blessing. My first words were, how did that happen? And I didn't mean the mechanics. Like, I was like, how, you were doing the medicine thing and the, you know, the stuff and, and Cormac. And he and Chris are the biggest blessings that God has ever given me in my life. Um, I love my son uh, beyond all words. He's working at Lion's Pool today because he's a responsible adult now. Heading off to college in two weeks. And I, when Cormac was little, I started seeing God, like, God's blessing on my life in his form. Like, I knew God, it was just a way that I knew God loved me because he wasn't planned, I didn't actually want kids, Um, and God gave me one anyway, and God knew better than I did. God knew better than I did. This is our our silly little family. Um, We like a lot of the same things. Cormick's as much of a nerd as I am. Train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it all of his days. It's a good thing. Um, We're all at Comic-Con on the right-hand side there and then at the beach on the other. Um, And what I want to say is this. There are blessings in following God that you never even look for that you never think to ask for, that you never would imagine. Jesus has this way of healing us and restoring us and, and meeting us right where we need to be met if we allow him. And it wasn't on purpose, but this is kind of looping all the way back to after Ryan finished worship this morning. Like, God wants all of you. And I'm hoping a little bit through my story I shared this morning. Um, You know, not everything was good. Um, I got injured on the job. Um, I was out of work and out of church for five years. Um, I've had multiple surgeries because I'm clumsy. Um, We've had uh, foreclosures and financial problems. Struggles, both physical and mental and spiritual. Um, And it's not that everything's easy, but God meets us. God's with us. God enables us to walk through this life. And you don't have to. Guys, the good news is we don't have to do it alone, that Jesus is always there for us. And through all of the, the struggles that we had and the good times that we had, God's been right there in the middle of it. And that, guys, that's the, that's the good news. It's not just about, you know, we were singing that song this morning, the simple gospel, right? Even in my brokenness, even when God finds me in the dust, he's looking for me in that dust because he wants me to know that I'm not alone and that there's more to than this life. It's not just about making money or having power or having all the stuff for the friends or recognition or like that stuff it, you know it, it talks about in Ecclesiastes how that's just dust. Like all of that fades away. Entropy will happen. Your best most amazing thing will decay. And go away. But our our love and our relationship with Jesus and our our service to each other and to God, that is eternal, and that is forever. And it doesn't go away. And you guys, and that's that's worth giving your life for. I've been serving God my whole life. And my plan is to keep doing it until I'm dead. And it's it's good. And, and God sustains me, and, and he, he meets me right where, in those places where I need him. And yes, I screw up. And yes, I fail. And yes, sometimes life really sucks. But God is there throughout it all. You know, Paul talks about how he's learned to find joy. In all circumstances, when, when he's hungry, he found joy. When he's full, he found joy. When he has a lot, he found joy. When he has little, he found joy. Because our joy is not this. Our joy is not this physical being. Our, our joy is not that. Our joy is in Christ, which cannot decay which does not go away, which never diminishes, it only increases. God's love is only becomes more vast. It doesn't diminish like everything else in this universe. And his love is worth fighting for, and his love is worth is worth pursuing. Um, I, I'm, I was going to read through all of Isaiah 58, but I, we don't have time. So when I was probably about 15 years old is when I first read Isaiah 58. And something happened where God spoke to me. And he said, this is what you need to pursue. This is what you should be about. About caring for others. About not having idle gossip. About letting God Restore us. It talks about repairing broken streets. It talks about making places whole again where people can live and be whole and be well. It talks about if we can keep our eyes on him. It, it refers to keeping the Sabbath holy. If, if we can keep our eyes on him, that he'll use us to restore the world. And in the way he originally wanted it to be. This brokenness, this destruction, this sickness, this, this darkness that exists in our world was not part of the original plan. That, that wasn't part of the original plan. But our brokenness in a chain effect created all of the brokenness that we have today. But God's ultimate goal Is to restore all that using us to bring it all right again. And that's that's something worth living for. That's something worthy of pursuit. And um, that's my encouragement to you is to go when you're done today or tonight or even tomorrow. I would encourage you to go read Isaiah fifty eight. And let the words of Isaiah 58 penetrate deep into your heart and soul. It's the chapter that God gave me to try and model my life after and to pursue. And I would encourage you to ask God, what is it like, can you give me an anchor point, a piece of scripture or, or a place in your word that I can return to over and over and over again throughout my life that can sustain me? Um, Ryan, could we do one song and then we're probably just going to end I Went Long. Yeah, do you mind? Thank you.
0: Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys have a good week.